Welcome to Profiles and in Leadership interview series, sponsored by VGM Advantage. I'm Steve Anderson, your host, and we have a very special guest today, Sharon Dunn, president of the American Physical Therapy Association. Sharon L. Dunn graduated in 1987 with a BS in physical therapy, a Master's of Health Sciences in 1996, and a PhD in cellular biology and anatomy in 2006, all from LSU Health Sciences Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. Sharon is a board-certified specialist in orthopedic physical therapy and currently serves as associate professor in the DPT program and chair of the Rehabilitation Services Department at LSU Health Center. In addition, she developed a residency program for orthopedic physical therapy in 2008, which has since produced 22 graduates. Sharon's service to her professional organization began when she was a student, and most recently she was elected as president of APTA. Her passions are advocacy, member engagement, and our profession's potential to add great value to a disrupted health delivery system. So welcome, Sharon. It's really great to have you here today. Thank you, Steve. I'm honored that you invited me for this interview, so well, thanks. You're more than welcome. Tell us how a small town girl from the South becomes the president of APTA. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> it is huge, and it's something I never aspired to, actually. When I set out on this journey of, of service, it was all about serving, serving the profession, but knowing that the public needed our service, that we had something that could truly benefit others. And so you serve, and you, you serve well, and you're invited to serve some more. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's still a lot left in the tank. It's interesting you say that, because sometimes people ask me, they, they think I'm, I'm just messing with them, but uh, I, I feel like I'm a reluctant leader sometimes. Like it's not something that I, you know, dreamed about doing. It's just, you just kind of, as you say, you do it well, and people want you to yeah. continue to do it. Yeah, and, and only from the encouragement of colleagues. And yeah. so the, the, the issue about being invited to serve and being asked is true. Yeah. So if, if we're looking for more people to step up, then each of us have an obligation, I think, to invite others along. Yeah. Because that's many times all it takes is a, a little bit of encouragement and absolutely, you know, absolutely. appreciation. So here's what I think is amazing, okay? So since you've been APTA president, I, you know, I, I've been around and I haven't heard one negative comment or criticism, which is amazing, you being in that position. You're killing it. So congratulations. And, and I, now how, do you, how would you describe your leadership style? So this is a hard question for me to answer because when you say you're killing it, it implies that I've done something alone, and that's totally not the case. We've got amazing people on APTA's board of directors, and uh, and I think maybe that's part of it is that you, through through leadership opportunities coming up, even in high school, uh, college, and and through leading an academic uh, program you learn that you don't lead by position or power. You lead by putting people in their sweet spot for them to excel. And, and you lead by um, making sure everyone around the table has an opportunity to participate in the, in the direction of whatever group you're a teammate with. And, and that's truly what we have on APTA's board of directors. We have 14 other servant leaders who want to see the association and the profession do well as their primary mission. 
and and that that in, it excites me. It's fun to participate, and and that doesn't mean I don't fail. But I have 14 people around me who, when I fail, are there to yeah. redirect yeah. and encourage. So that's been wonderful, having that kind of team. But also, what's happened on the APTA staff side through through change in leadership on that side and having a teammate to bounce things off of. So I don't think any great leader does it by themselves. They do it through a collective. Well, I would agree. And that answer from you doesn't surprise me. But on the other hand, you know, previous APTA presidents have always had their pros and cons and mm -hmm. people are happy and unhappy and whatever. And I'm just, you know, I just think that I'd like to publicly say that, that you're doing a great job of that. So, uh, so that leadership style that you just described, I think resonates well with, with uh, physical therapy members and, and that's, that's what they're doing. So, you know, within a month of your presidency, when you started your term, you were throwing a huge bombshell. You know what I'm talking about, oh, right? Oh, I do, absolutely. And, it, and, it, you know, and that would have crippled many leaders. I mean, you know, but, but you seem to, to surf right through it, and, and now things with uh, the PT Alliance, you know, seems to be going well, and there's some collaborative things going on. So will you just share with us that challenge and, and um, you know, kind of what you did to, 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 to make that work? Well, I didn't by any means surf right through it. I mean, many times you're standing on the, in, in the sailboat holding to the mast, trying not to puke yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when the storm comes. And uh, yeah. it, was, it was through stepping back when everything in me uh, as a human being wanted to react. It was recognizing that I represented more than me, that I represented now we have 100,000 members. And to step back from being reactive, which was not natural for me, yeah. and to take account of all of the interest and competing interests that were uh, that were coming to a head at that point and and knowing that to get the opinions of APTA's board of directors to get the opinion of staff get the opinion of people who were directing and and working towards payment reform at that time about what what our options were on the table and then truly listening to those members who had a counter position to APTA because the one thing that the Alliance members said was they didn't feel like they had been heard. Right. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I believe God, and I, this has come to bear in relationships too, God gave me two ears and one mouth for a reason. <laughs> and, a and I'm really one to want to express my opinion and react typically, but to yeah. step back and push that down and to truly listen to what, what was, uh, why that group of members didn't feel heard and hearing what they had to say and, and then together articulating a path forward was more important than reacting for the whole. Yeah, and I think that, as you said, listening is such an underappreciated leadership skill. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, not to get too heavy here, but you know, in, in, in our society today, in Congress and, and what's going on, I think that's what's not there is, you know, people aren't listening to each other. It's, uh, I've said it before, one of my pet peeves is kind of this uninformed opinion. Mm -hmm. So if you can just, you know, sit down with somebody and listen uh, like you did, I think that's, that's the way to, to go forward. So. And, and listening is half of, or more than half of communication. 
uh, people a lot of times will listen so they can frame their counter argument. But I think when you listen to hear and understand is when you've, you've, you've gotten half the battle over. And truly understanding another person's perspective is not that you're going to agree with it, but to truly understand it, to empathize with where they, and that's what physical therapists have naturally, an empathy yeah. for others. And, and so that, that came naturally. Um, not reacting did not come naturally, yeah. but I recognize you know, having been just elected, it wasn't about me, it was about the profession. Yeah, well that's great. Now another thing that, <clears throat> that in preparing for this I thought about was, you know, APTA has in the past, had a bit of a reputation for board members kind of coming in with personal agendas and stark differences and and you know that makes governing the association uh, tough. But the current board seems to be much more collaborative and conducive to, to doing things uh, for the greater good. So you answered it a little bit before but you know what is your secret to getting that board to work more as a team? Um, as somebody, as somebody asked me just this, this fall who the um, devil's advocate was on the board when, you know, to keep the board from having group think. And my answer was every person on the board is a devil's advocate at some point or another because they are truly sharing what their beliefs are. And so, so it's a culture of uh, avoiding group think by making it safe to express yourself. And, and to feel safe in that environment, no, no opinion or no stance is wrong. It's different. And, and I've seen this board handle very challenging conversations. And just by the dialogue, someone who really feels firmly about something has changed their opinion about it because they heard another opinion. So it's, you know, when new board members come onto the board the last two years, I've challenged them that you've been elected by your peers to serve because of who you are. So don't, don't be afraid to express what you think because it's important that, that you're able to do that. And then when, when you're, and it, and it comes from having served in other organizations where I didn't feel I had power or I had an opinion that wasn't being heard. So that's a very frustrating place to be if you feel like you need to make a difference. So it, it, once everyone has been heard and the group moves to a decision, everybody can own the decision because they at least got to put their, put their opinion out there yeah. and that it was seriously considered. And you said it in another way too when we're thinking about leadership is another way that you said it was you've created a culture where uh, it's okay to fail. Yeah. You can put yourself out there and test something or, or uh, not know exactly what the answer is but be vulnerable to, to express your concern or your ideas. Yeah. And then if you create a culture like that, that's how we learn. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from opinions that, that aren't necessarily uh, what we started with. So. Yeah, so I like to call it a learning culture. You, yeah. If you put something out there and it fails, then it's not going to keep you from having another opportunity exactly. to do something. Yeah. And, and then I like to see people operate in their sweet spot. So we've got 15 board members all coming from different backgrounds and they have areas that they really enjoy yeah. working in. Why put them in something that's going to make them miserable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, put them exactly. in, a, in, a, in a role in a job that utilizes the best of their talents Use for, their the, strengths and, for the yeah. ultimate good of the organization. Yeah. You have a great way of communicating with PT members and, and 
they really believe that you're listening to them. Uh, again, you know, how do you stay, at, at, you know, in front of 100,000 <laughs> PTs and PTAs and get them to think you're listening to them? It, it, it's, 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 it's a great skill. What's your, what's your secret? It, it, well, you actually do listen to them. I mean, you're, not, you're, not, you're not making them think you listen to them. You actually listen to hear. And, and I think it's because I'm, I'm insanely curious. I love to learn. And through having dialogue with others is how I learn. And um, this Albert Einstein, and I'm in no way comparing myself to Albert Einstein, but he said he had no special talents except that he was uh, insatiably curious. Yeah. And, and I have, I, my, my mom calls me nosy. I like to say I'm insatiably curious. <laughs> yeah. I, so I would rather hear about you than, than talk about me. Um, yeah, so, it, yeah, and, and to, to do that for 100,000, it, it, it's a team at APTA. We have a communication staff that is so incredibly capable. So I'll get emails to the president of APTA that I read and, and distribute to the, to the right person to answer the, yeah. the call. You don't have all the answers. I don't. And that, I mean, that's, I, I have very few answers. So what's your biggest challenge when you get up in the morning? What's your biggest challenge when you head out to lead 100,000 people in, in any given day? Priority. Is, is, what is, what is the, the biggest priority for the organization? Um, not necessarily what is the hottest fire. And, and a lot can distract you if you allow your, your time and attention to go to a distraction. Yeah. But if you, if you know what the organization's priorities are, you can stay on task. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's fun. I mean, I feel very privileged to have this opportunity. And if, it, if it's not fun, then, then you've lost the opportunity to honor the, the time that you have. So I, I, it's, it has to be fun. So, so you, you know, you poke fun at yourself, you, you, you laugh at situations, not, not in a depreciating way, but I mean, life's too short to, to run through it without appreciating the moment. So what have you done over the last few years that you feel like has helped you develop your leadership skills? Do you have time to keep working on that leadership development or are you just trying to get through the day at this point? I read. Uh, again, that insatiable curiosity, and when someone suggests a book, I'll, I'll check it out. I love Adam Grant's writing. Um, he's the youngest uh, professor at Wharton School of Business, and everything he writes is data-based, and he tells a great story. So uh, the last book I read was Originals. Uh, and. Uh, it, it's interesting to me to learn new things through other people's experiences. So that um, I hone leadership skills by failing. Yeah. And get back to that. And getting feedback from those you're leading. What can I do better? Yeah. Um, Lisa Saladin is an amazing wingman as the vice president. I've learned so much from her. Yeah, she's great. And she's, she's good to give gentle feedback and encouragement, but uh, 
you know, she's very strategic in her thinking, and I've, I've learned a lot from her and everyone else that I've had the privilege of. of so what I hear you saying is you uh, surround yourself with the right people, and then you realize you don't have all the answers, so you ask others to, to help you with that. That's exactly so, what you're yeah. hearing. <laughs> yeah. And you surround yourself by, with people who are smarter and more creative than you, and, and then you, you take all you can get out of that, that opportunity. Absolutely. You can't say yes to every request that comes in from, um, you know, from members as the APT president. So how do you keep a schedule that is manageable? You know, and I'm thinking of requests to attend this, attend that, come here, come there. You know, I can only imagine how many requests you get. Uh, yeah. uh, how do you do that? I'm still learning to say no, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm not very good at saying no. This job can consume you. It I would, could. Yeah. And, and, and at times I have allowed it to consume me. And then you step back and you... You look at what your priorities in life are, and that I feel like we're all juggling professionally. And and when students ask how you do this, is you identify those things that you're juggling, that if it crashed, you would you wouldn't you you would crash yourself. And those I call the crystal balls that you're keeping in the air. And other things are rubber, and if it hits, it'll bounce. So I, my 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 crystal balls are faith family and friends relationships mm -hmm. and and I've had to step back and make sure that I've prioritized those in 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 managing the schedule and I honestly I've been out of balance yeah it's it's hard you, you can't always be in balance yeah yeah so, so reconsidering um, the invitations if I'm booked it, it's obviously I can't come and do that but to suggest another alternative is is you just help people because they're actually they're looking to fill a role that they need to have a speaker come and if i can't do it then certainly there's somebody else that can do it right. who wants to so yeah so has your family uh, been okay with sharing you more than they're used to <laughs> um yes actually they're very proud of me uh, and, i can only imagine and mom yeah. mom and dad are are uh, quite proud, and my my brother, who's three years older than me, is is you know, I grew up. He I idolized my brother, yeah. so he's good at helping me with humility. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so when I need a dose of humility, I'm sure still a kid sister in of his course, eyes, right? Exactly. Yes, yes, I'm sure. Why do you? Uh, why do we see? Why don't we see more PTs and high-level executive roles in healthcare systems? Don't you think? You know, we've talked about this a little bit at the Graham sessions. We've talked about it at other areas, and you know, sometimes I, you know, in our world, we've got these great leaders and people are passionate, whatever. But sometimes when you go into the healthcare systems and the bigger health care environment, we don't see as many PTs in there as, as I think we should. I, I agree with you. That's unfortunate because we have a natural knack for problem solving, yeah. analytic thinking, and solution-driven approaches. I also think we have a natural risk aversion. Yeah, I and, agree. And so uh, to take on an opportunity, it, we talk ourselves out of those opportunities many times because we tend to be risk averse. I wish we had more PTs in Congress. Yeah. Because Congress needs some problem solvers yeah. and some yeah. solution driven people in, in high level leadership positions. So why? Um, I think because we love what we do as clinicians, we get so much back from from what we invest in other people and their successes 
that it's hard to think about stepping away from clinical practice for many people. But then when you recognize in the leadership, you are able to serve exponentially that population. I think that's a nice way to, for, for physical therapists to be, begin thinking about serving society and communities and yeah. to step out of their comfort zone yeah, and, and I think, go for it. Yeah, and if we continue to, within our association and within our PT ranks, uh, help develop those people with leadership skills, you know, mm -hmm. develop their own leadership skills, then hopefully they'll feel more confident and more assured to, to step into that, that yeah. bigger world too. And they shouldn't feel like they're abandoning the profession because actually when they go into more higher level administrative and leadership roles, they're sharing one of the best kept secrets with the world yeah. of, of our, our ability to, to help yeah. any situation. You know, it's interesting, We've uh, I've been talking to some new professionals lately, and some come into the profession uh, thinking they want to treat patients and do that, but, but quickly learn that maybe they want to do other things and more leadership positions and things like that, but then also feel very judged if they don't, you know, go in and treat patients. And uh, that's part of the issue, too. I mean, you know, we've got to, you know, uh, just because you went to PT school doesn't mean that everyone has to be treating patients to be a, uh, a valuable PT member in, in our association. Correct. And to diversify your, your own personal opportunities, that, that also diversifies the, op the opportunities that come back to the profession. So, yeah, I, I think that's old school thinking uh, that, that now with, so many opportunities in, in the environment to make a difference. PTs should be pushing the envelope on where they can invest their You know where I think it down. comes from a little bit too is that it's so competitive to get into PT school that you say, wait a minute, you know, you took somebody's spot and you're not gonna treat patients? You know, that's kind of that judgment thing, but, yeah. but I, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we think narrowly like that mm -hmm. because we do need PTs in, in all ranks of healthcare to ensure we have a voice. Yeah. So, yeah. So I know this is way too early in your uh, tenure to ask, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Um, so what do you hope your legacy will be you know, when, when you move on to the next job, which is, I, I know you're only in your first term and, yeah. you know, whatever, so there's probably another term involved, but I mean, what, what do you hope that when you leave this you can say, um, I was successful? So just the word legacy makes me a little nervous yeah. because as, as, as I said a while ago, it's no one person on the board owns anything but together I think the the legacy would be it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. It's not an individual sport. And and when you have a collective body of people who and not just APTA's board of directors, but all of our members, all of our staff, all of the components rowing this thing in the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're unstoppable as a profession because our story is beautiful. Yeah, it's we an easy sell. It is. It's an easy sell. It's like uh, this is something that helps people, makes them feel better, it helps them be more functional in their lives, you know, whatever. So yeah. it, it's not like you're trying to sell somebody something they don't want. Correct. But uh, So what I would like to be remembered for is is maybe, maybe we, we came together as a profession to continue to, to do what we do every day that's magical one-on-one. -on -one 
but collectively we were able to begin to to transform society through what we do yeah and that and that's the magic i mean in in my business now is helping other leaders you know uh, be better leaders mm -hmm. You know, when you do get that team where all cylinders are firing, you know, uh, firing together and everyone's rowing in the same direction and everything's going, it, it is fun. It feels so good. But yet, if it isn't, it can be really tough. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I think you, you make a good point that that's, uh, you know, that, that's the sign of success. And, and that takes a leader. And I know you're humble and I know that you, you know, you don't think it's all you, but it takes a leader to bring everybody together on the team to, to facilitate uh, it, going forward. It's gardening, I think, to, to, yeah. to have an analogy, is if you don't tend the garden every day, weeds will crop up and, and things begin to die. So gardening and, and leadership are very similar in that respect, is if you see something going in a direction that's that's not favorable, attend to it quickly and don't let it manifest and, and, and take root because that that will challenge the destiny of the whole group. Yeah. So and, and so relationships are are critical in in a leadership role and reaching out one on one, having hard conversations early so that everybody understands where we are all heading. Uh, and, and then changing direction if you're if you're going in a, in a wrong direction based on on the feedback of one or fifteen. So it, it's to say it's easy would would be a lie. Right. It's, it's, not, it's easy. not easy. It, it's, it's not easy. It's it's twenty four seven management um, of of relationships so that everybody owns the outcome. Yeah. I think the gardening uh, analogy is a great one. That's a very good one. What do we need to do better so that the public and other healthcare professionals see the value that we bring to providing great outcomes and helping to lower the cost of the overall healthcare dollar? I think Mel Robbins this morning hit the nail on the head because she listened to the discussion this morning in the in the open business meeting about what are we doing for PR. We all assume that this would take a huge campaign to share what our worth is to society, that it would take multi-millions multi of dollars. And Mel Robbins said, what are you doing individually? Exactly. She said, you got a cell phone, take a video of what you do every day with people and share that with the world. Yeah. And so, and, and it, quite frankly, it will take every one of us sharing with our communities what the value and benefit of physical therapy is. Because if we wait on APTA to do it, or we wait on PPS to do it, that is an insurmountable task. Because we have 100,000 members in APTA, and if every one of those people shared individual stories with their communities, people would be knocking our doors down to come in. So be, be grateful that you have a competitor in your community that's, that's promoting physical therapy because that's not only good for that competitor, it's good for all of physical therapy. So I, I really, you know, when people say what's APTA doing about, my question back is who is APTA? Yeah. APTA is not me, it's not the House of Delegates, it's everyone it's under thousand members. members. Yeah. yeah. Well, it comes back to, you know, I've spoke a lot at PT schools, including your own. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I try and tell students as they're going out is if you could just do one thing, 
is that every patient you treat with that when they leave, they not only feel better and you've helped them through their problem, but they understand what we do, what we can do, what other things are possible, and educate that. If we could just do that, if every patient we saw knew that, um, you know, that's what you're talking about. And you have to do it. And they would go so. tell their neighbors. Exactly. Yeah. And, and part of that is delivering your absolute best for every patient you encounter. Yeah. And, and that the patient knows who you are, what, that you're a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant, right. and that, that the, the, the impact that you've had on them, they want to share right. with the people in the, in the bank or, the, or, or they want to share it when they're getting their hair done yeah. with everybody in the, in the And it's just shop. not that, you know, it's just that you do great on shoulders because that was my specific issue. But, you know, we also do this and we also do that. And, oh, my gosh, you do ergonomics and you go into this. And, you know, I mean, there's so much that you can educate that yeah. patient with. So, so I, am, I am your physical therapist. You didn't come for physical therapy today. Right. You came to see a physical therapist. And this is what we're going to do. And, and I, had a, I had a great experience this year. A guy I treated 19 years ago had an open tip-fib fracture, uh, devastating ankle injury. And he's brittle diabetic. And, and 19 years ago, we got him over that hump. And now he's 66 and doing yoga. Yeah. And he couldn't strike one of the yoga poses because he lacked a little dorsiflexion. Yeah. He's got significant OA in that ankle now. Yeah. But he remembered me, and he called me 19 years later and said, are you still doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's like, absolutely, right. come see me. Yeah. And we worked with his ankle. He didn't need surgery. He needed exercise. He needed flexibility so that he could stay in yoga and, and not yeah. be embarrassed about having a jacked up yoga pose. Now he's hitting that yoga pose. And yeah, he's looking good now. Yes, yeah, and, and I wish good. that for every physical therapist across the country, yeah. that the people that you've impacted remember you and 20 years later will come back to you and not, not, not treat it like a service, but the professional yeah. that helped you. I, the same experience in the sense, um, I last treated a patient 20 years ago mm -hmm. and in a clinic in West Seattle. And uh, so the, the therapists there still tell me that somebody will come in once in a while, Steve's still here? <laughs> you know, that's so that's, that's pretty cool. It, yes, it's, it's flattering, but it's it also, is. it means that you delivered something of value yeah. that they remembered. Yeah. So tell us something. Now, you've got to be at this high level and talk all this big policy stuff and whatever. Tell us something about Sharon Dunn we don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, um, what do you not know about me? Probably that I'm a little bit shy. Yeah. Uh, I have to overcome that to to go after what we need and, and want in this, in this profession. Um, so I, I, I'm not necessarily introverted, but extroversion is not my first. Right. So maybe I'm an ambivert. Um, right. In middle school, I was very shy and then kind of came out of my shell a little bit in high school. So I'm shy. Um, and I think it's a great point because a lot of people, when they think of leadership, they think it has to be an extrovert. Mm -hmm. And there's many, many, many examples of amazing leaders that are more introverted than they're extroverted. Yeah. So, yeah. And so maybe that's why I prefer to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, th another thing, I love water sports. I uh, grew up water skiing. I learned to water ski when I was five years old. 
just out of sheer grit and determination. Uh, fail, 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 fail. So I think that's one of the first things that I wanted to do really badly and I wasn't going to give up and quit. So uh, I'm, I'm driven. Um, and of course that's something you all know about me. <laughs> I'm driven. But yeah, water sports. Awesome. So usually what we do at the end of these interviews is we ask you for a pearl of wisdom relating to leadership. So what is your pearl of wisdom for our listeners? I think if you have, and, and this is something that all of us individually deal with as people, if, if you have a, a dream that maybe you're a little scared to articulate because it's bigger than you, um, that is where you should be pursuing all of your focus and energies towards pursuing your dreams. I, I, I never set out to be president of APTA, but I also know that that is the vehicle to, to move the profession forward. So if you're, if you're pursuing something that's, that's very personal to you, that, that uh, that makes a difference in your life, mm -hmm. then you're going to be successful. You're going to fail, 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 uh, and then and then you learn with every failure. So I would say APTA leadership doesn't have to be in your dream wheelhouse, but you know what your dreams are, and that dream that that you're a little afraid to articulate is probably deposited in your spirit because you're the only human being on the planet that will be able to carry it out. So that, that should be what drives you, and that's what drives you to success. Yeah, great point. Well, thank you for uh, tuning in on another episode of Profiles and in Leadership Interview Series. I want to thank uh, VGM Advantage for sponsoring this. And Sharon, thank you very much for your time. I know you're very busy, and I feel very uh, uh, thankful that you took time with us today. So thank you, Steve. Thank you Appreciate very much.